Hello and welcome to the November issue of Petrolhead News. You might be thinking, how can it be the November issue? Where did the October one go? Except nobody's thinking that because presumably nobody's watching. But we'll round up all the important news. Don't worry about it. Without a doubt, the biggest news of the last two months, well, without a doubt, I think the biggest news of the last two months was Maserati's comeback. I know they never were really gone, but after the Levante SUV, there was not much going on except for rumors of a new supercar. And then in early September, they revealed a new supercar, the MC20. The MC20 is supposed to be a supercar in the spirit of the MC12, which means it's a road-going racing car. But while the MC12 was a Nenzo in a track suit and trainers, the MC20 is a bespoke Maserati supercar. And at the heart of this project is a new engine, a 3-liter turbocharged V6 with 630 horsepower, called Netuno. You see? Netuno, Neptune, the Trident. Maserati say that this V6 is going to be the most powerful production V6 ever. They achieve this power density by using a technology known from Formula One, which is the two-chamber ignition or two-stage ignition. Engineering Explained has a, an excellent video on this, uh, on this topic. It's definitely worth a watch. This engine is going to be mated to an eight-speed dual-clutch transmission and is going to find its way into a carbon fiber monocoque developed jointly with Dallara. I'm sure Dallara will mean something to most people. They are involved in developing LMP cars, Le Mans prototypes, and recently they even did their own uh, road car, the Dallara Stradale, which um, yeah, was a modern take on a light and super fast car, so they definitely know what they are doing. and. This car is going to have clever aerodynamics and the body will do without wings. So it's entirely the flat floor and some tricks with the diffuser. Um, it's going to have something called semi-virtual suspension. Um, apparently this allows them to fly less camber, but um, yeah, I am not sure how this works. Let's see. The car will come as a hard top, as a soft top, and as a full electric car, which is going to be even more powerful. Now, the MC20 is not exactly an ugly car, is it? I like the low MC12 style nose, but it's also not, probably not bonkers enough. Um, it looks rather generic to me and they say they are going to 
pitted against Ferrari's mid-engined V8 offerings. Um, I am not sure if that is what customers want. And I mean, let's be honest, Maserati needs to shift um, cars. I am curious to see how people who can afford this car will receive it. The next big news, which caused a lot of controversy, even long before the announcement or the official announcement, was the launch of the M3 and M4. It's funny, people knew from various pictures of um, camouflaged cars that the M3 and M4 would have big, massive grills. Not only camouflaged prototypes, by the way, the 4 Series was already um, revealed, was already launched. So, yeah, yet there was lots of energy um, directed at the grills. We are going to talk about the grills, but let's talk about the less controversial stuff first. So the M3 and M4, they both, both the cars will come in mm, two specs. One is the regular spec and the, the other is the competition spec. Now, the regular one can be had with a manual gearbox and rear-wheel drive. Uh, the engine is going to make 480 horsepower. Um, the competition version can be had with only with an automatic gearbox, not a DCT this time. And at a later point with all-wheel drive, um, a similar system uh, as in the, uh, in the M5. So with switchable rear wheel drive. And the engine is going to make 510 horsepower. So um, the same as in the X3 models. Then maybe in a few years, um, then the touring version will join the lineup. And Dynamically, I'm pretty sure the cars will deliver as they usually do. Maybe except for the non-competition F80, which um, yeah received quite a lot of flack when it was launched. Um, yeah, I'm sure these will be nice to drive. I clicked myself through the configurator and I'm not sure how it is in other countries, but I suspect it's going to be similar. The price hike is insane. So I did not spec, I did not go crazy with options and I ended up at 130,000 francs. Um, a few years ago, you could have bought an M5 for that money, or let's be more specific, 
You know the E61 that I have? You could have gotten yourself an E61 for 130,000 francs. So yeah, um, that's, that's a big price tag. The other thing that I found confusing was the marketing around the launch. Did you see those videos on Instagram of, what was it, two people doing parkour, the cars drifting around them, they coming closer to each other. Um, I was left confused. I, I mean, I think it's since the X2 that BMW marketing is going in a direction that somehow does not, that I cannot identify with anymore. I mean, I'm aware how brand marketing works these days. Apparently you don't target the people that might buy your cars today. You target those people that could buy your car tomorrow. Um, but yeah, but I'm, maybe I am just turning into a, an old dinosaur. Um, maybe it's just that. Okay, let's talk about the design of these cars. I think the M3, now let's ignore the grille or the front bumper for a moment and just look at the car. I think the M3 looks, I think the M3 is actually good looking, especially from the back with those sharp lines. I think the M3 is spot on. If it had the face of the regular 3 Series, I think it would be a great looking car. Now with this grille, I'm not so sure and I don't know how you guys feel about it. But for me, it's not just the grille, it's the entire design that feels a little lazy. Especially visible on the 4 Series. It's just not very inspired I'm I don't know how how to say it differently I don't think the 4 series looks like a, a BMW coupe should but then again maybe in a few months we'll get used to the grill maybe we'll even think that it looks fantastic who knows um, I heard people drawing parallels to Bengals era and I'm not sure that's that's the case you see um, during Chris Bengals era the cars maybe except for the 3 series had a, a certain language certain um, elements that you could find on each car uh, so the 1 series, the 5, 6, 7 series, they all had elements that, I mean, I think each of the cars looked different, and yet they used yeah, similar forms. Whereas in this case, especially in the case of the M3, they just slapped a huge grill on the front of the car. It's, in my opinion, that's not exactly, that's not the same thing. But that's enough about grills but not enough about BMW 
because they delivered another story that I think not many people heard, which I think is, is um, which I picked out because I like how this car came to be. I'm talking about the 128Ti, which is a new model that is going to go against um, the Golf GTI, the new one. Um, it's a new one series that is front wheel drive only, unfortunately also with only available with an automatic. And what I liked about this story is apparently it was a skunk works approach. So they tried to do something with the suspension. They tried, say they dropped the rear drive shafts, the prop shaft and almost all other shafts and created a lighter car with 265 horsepower. Funnily enough, it's the same amount of power that the first 130i that I used to have made. Interesting. Yeah, um, I like the idea. Uh, I hope we'll hear more of these stories, not only from BMW, but I wouldn't hold my breath. But yeah, I, I like this story. Now let's go one letter further from M to N. And there's also the BMW relationship because the former um, vice president of BMW M has been leading a project called the i30N, which uh, set the hatchback world ablaze. And they have facelifted this car. You can have it with a dual clutch transmission now. The engine has gained five horsepower, which is probably not going to make a big difference. But yeah, this is one of the cars that I like. I like how they even in these times, they decided to go for a performance car and they are not getting tired of it because they also announced the i20N, the little brother, which is going to go against the Ford Fiesta ST. The i20N also makes 200 horsepower. Um, you can also have it with a manual gearbox. And if you've seen the video on Instagram, it makes a hell of a sound. So I'm looking forward to both cars and I really hope I'll be able to drive them. Speaking of the Fiesta ST. Are you the sort of person who thinks the Fiesta ST would be a better car if it was on stilts? Well, Ford has the car for you. The Ford Puma ST. And it's exactly what you think it is. It comes with the engine from the Fiesta, the 1.5 three-cylinder, and the six-speed manual gearbox. Is this the dawn of the hot crossover? Maybe in the future we'll have a VW T-Cross GTI or a Yaris Cross GRMN. 
Let's move on to a car that is slightly more powerful than the Puma ST by 1600 horsepower to be precise. Of course, I am talking about the Bugatti Bolide. Apparently there were people that thought, you know, the Chiron is nice and everything, but I'd like something more focused to thrash around the racetrack. And that's what Bugatti did. They pushed the W16 to 1800 horsepower, which is impressive, but by far not as impressive as the next thing. Because what they also did, they pick up the chassis of a Chiron, they started shaking it very, very vigorously. And after enough shaking, a caterham had dropped off. Because they were able to shave 600 kilograms from the Chiron. They quote a dry weight of 1,250 kilograms. Granted, this car will need a lot of fluids with that massive engine and many, many radiators. And yet, even if it turns out to be 1,400 kilogram at the end, that's 1,400 horsepower per ton. I wonder how that car will put all that power down. Is it really going to be drivable or does it even matter? Is any of those people who will be buying one going to put it on, on a track? Not so sure about that one. We already talked about a Roman god today. Let's talk about a Greek one now to have some balance. I'm talking about Ares of course. What they do is they rebody existing cars. Um, their last project was turning Lamborghini Huracans into a car that resembles uh, De Tomaso Pantera. Their newest project is called the S1. And in fact, this is a Corvette C8 in a new suit. And what they say is their engine is naturally aspirated, a V8, and produces around 750 horsepower. What is interesting about that, we know that the current Corvette, the C8 in its current form, makes around 500 horsepower. And there are rumors about the new Z06 being naturally aspirated. Uh, 5.5 liters in displacement and with a rev, lim uh, with a rev limit around 9,000 RPM. So I wonder is the S1 going to use the underpinnings of the Z06? I think by now everybody knows Singer, the California based company that turns old 911s into old 911s with um, updated internals. I was not a fan of raster modding or old 911s until they showed the Singer DLS, the lightweight they developed together with Williams. 
Well, now there is another company that produced something similarly imp impressive, at least to me. I'm talking about Cyan Racing. This is a Swedish company that uses Volvos as touring cars for in various championships, uh, rather successfully, I would like to add. And what they did is they took an old Volvo P1800, dropped in the touring car engine, a two-liter turbocharged uh, four-cylinder, gave it 420 horsepower, uh, mated it to a five-speed manual gearbox. Um, they did a carbon fiber prop shaft. They gave it independent rear suspension, a limited slip differential, um, new suspension, new wheels, and it only weighs 990 kilograms. And I think it is gorgeous. So I read about a bit about the car and I wondered how expensive it would be. Of course, I thought that it might be rather expensive and it turned out it is. It's $500,000 a pop. Wow. Nevertheless, I think they did a tremendous job. Of course, I don't know how it drives. Probably nobody knows how it drives. But at least in the styling department, the effort, it's, it's great. I love it. My, one of my absolute dream cars, hands down. Now to rather sad news. Let's call this part of the program the obituary and the first entry here is Nissan's upcoming Z car. Some of you might have followed or heard about the reveal of the Nissan Z Proto and the subsequent announcement that this car will not be coming to Europe for various reasons. The predecessor, the 370Z, did not do very well, apparently. Um, and the new engine will not pass the current EU emissions legislation. So, yeah, another sports car is gone, at least from our perspective. One that is gone for good, not only in Europe, well, because it never actually officially was available in Europe, is Ford's Mustang GT350 and GT350R. Those have been cancelled as well. They say they have replaced it with the Mac 1, which is not exactly the same thing. The special the special thing about the GT350 was its voodoo engine, a high revving flat plane crank V8 that revved, I think, well past 8,000. Um, yeah, with a manual gearbox. And on that sad note, it's time to end. Thank you very much for watching. And I'm not sure there will be a December issue probably not much going on in November and December but maybe let's see let's see thanks
Thanks very much for watching and see you soon. Bye.